Last time on Tracks, members of Princeton's 1965 Final Four basketball team spoke about some of the things that made the Tigers successful. In this episode, we cover the team's run to the NCAA semifinals. In reality, the team's fortunes began to change four years earlier when Bill Bradley, a high school phenom, made a last-minute decision to attend Princeton instead of Duke. Uh, when I changed from Duke and came to Princeton, the premise was that a group of student-athletes could compete against the very best. And when we won the East and went on to the Final Four, to me that was a confirmation of everything I'd hoped for. Of course, I had hoped to win the championship. But <laughs> Before Bradley's arrival, Princeton had reached the NCAA tournament four times, but had only won one game. Its emergence as a national power would have seemed far-fetched to just about anyone, anyone except Bradley. I didn't know better, and I assumed it was going to happen, and I spent all my time trying to be the best I could be and then help recruit the talent that we finally had in my senior year, and it proved to be enormously rewarding for everybody. The Tigers' run began against Penn State at the Palestra. Ed Hummer, a sophomore on the team, recalled that night. I've often joked since we owe all of that whole experience, all the sort of uh, storied quality of that team to Don Rodenbach's left foot. Bobby Weiss, a Penn State guard who later played in the NBA, is taking the ball out of bounds and he's going to throw it to his, uh, his fellow guard and Don Rodenbach is guarding him. So he has this, this bright idea that now he's going to spin and twirl off to his left and just shake Don and go back. But as he tries to spin, his left foot hits Don's left foot. Not a trip, but just toe-to-toe. And it's one of these freak things. Just at the moment he's going down, Bobby Weiss is releasing the pass right to his what would be his left hand. And it turns out, as he goes down, it turns out to be a perfect one-hop bounce pass to Don going in to make the layup. That I think put us up, it, we might have been up two and that made it up four and then change of buckets or exchange of buckets and we win. But it was clearly the key play of the game, a game that could have gone either way. That's what tournaments are like. People forget those little moments. When you get some great moments later, they forget some little moment that could have made it all uh, non-existent. Point guard Gary Walters. To a person, that really bred confidence in us because we, we did not play well. So now we're going to the uh, Eastern Regionals uh, and uh, North Carolina State won the ACC tournament, what happens is we now come out and we really play up to our potential. And um, while Bill was no surprise to anybody, I think the overall play of the team surprised everybody. Princeton beat North Carolina State 64-48 in the first Eastern Regional Semifinal. The second game pitted two of the nation's top teams, number four Providence and number three St. Joseph's. It was an incredibly uh, intense game with two great teams going at it. 
and you had then you had to feel sorry for the loser but Providence wins and in a burst of just emotion I guess certainly wasn't it wasn't well thought out action <laughs> they cut down the nets we're sitting right there in the stands behind the basket well to put it mildly, it was a breach of protocol. And if you really want to look at it even more so, um, it was uh, definitely an insult to us. So we were motivated. We were motivated. Providence was 24-1 that season with a roster that included three future NBA players. But Princeton ran its offense to near perfection, taking a 13-point lead before halftime. Here's Don Roth, a senior on the team. One thing that really struck me and our senior was that uh, the halftime talks that Coach Munbetacoff used to give, uh, he was uh, an extremely strong personality. A really excitable guy, and you'd come down for the halftime, and in less than five minutes, you'd be angry, sad, resolute, funny, mad, <laughs> you know, up and down like a like a yo-yo, and it was just terrific stuff. Against Providence, von Bredikoff took a different approach. He gets in there, and then all of a sudden he starts to listen. Puts his finger up. He's going to start with one of his usual lectures, and all of a sudden he just starts laughing. <laughs> we all kind of were, you know, shocked. We're ahead, we're ahead of these guys, and you know, it was a pretty short speech at that halftime. Come on, guys, keep at it. Let's take these guys. Man. He really just blew them out in the second half. Reserve guard Bill Kingston. I sat there as the lead grew, trying to prepare myself to go in, knowing that this couldn't. It couldn't go on like this too much longer. And when it started to turn, maybe I'd be asked to go in the game. Uh, so I was I was looking at it from that standpoint. The next thing I knew, uh, the game was out of reach, and well, we ended up winning by 40 points. Uh, Frank DeFord wrote an article in Sports Illustrated on the win. The title of his article was A Whole Team Touched by Stardust. A lot of that was true in, in as much as um, Bill was such a versatile and great player. But also what happened is the development of the sophomores was such that we were now uh, what we thought we could be at the beginning of the year. And clearly Providence wasn't in the state of mind at all to expect us to play that way. For me, it's one of the best team games I ever played in high school, college, or pro. When Princeton returned to campus, students and fans met the buses for an impromptu celebration. A few days later, the team boarded a plane to Portland, Oregon to face Michigan in the national semifinals.
They didn't even call it the Final Four. Then it was the National Semifinals and then the National Finals. And uh, but the most incredible thing is, you're one of only four teams still playing. Everybody else is done. Everybody. And you're still playing. It's, it's like on a playground, you know. You you got next, and you're the only. There's only four teams standing. That's a very strange experience. You forget the, the 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 bumps and bruises and the grind of playing day in day out, week in way week out, and you forget the scores and the games. Indeed, even what teams you played, uh, but you do remember playing in the final four. You know, and that's that. That memory stays with you. Princeton had nearly beaten Michigan in December at Madison Square Garden surrendering the lead in the final minutes after Bradley had fouled out. In the rematch, foul trouble again plagued the Tigers, who stayed close in the first half before falling 93-76. to The whistles were fast and furious, and it didn't, it didn't seem right. It didn't seem right. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have a chance to play. And, I mean, so, and we were ready to play. It's not like we weren't ready to play. We were ready to play. The last five or six minutes, we looked like an Ivy League team. We looked like, I mean, Michigan, as you may know, Michigan was incredibly physically strong. More like players today than they were then. Oliver Darden, Bill Bunton, Cassie Russell, their front line was incredibly physically strong. And Butch always thought that he was always bemoaned the fact that we were not uh, that strong. It's a kind of game that's very depressing because you wilt down the stretch because the other team's just stronger. And uh, it was very depressing uh, to, to lose that game. The Tigers would have one more chance to play in the consolation game against Wichita State, and the team planned to make it a memorable night for Bradley. He averaged, I don't know what he averaged, game, maybe 30 points a game all three years, somewhere around 30 points, plus or minus. And he never really uh, shot a lot, certainly didn't hog the ball. And uh, so it, everybody just decided Bill. Bill didn't have a choice, and it didn't know he was going to shoot. We make him shoot, and of course he—he he was a great shooter. They pass it to me. If somebody else has a better shot, I pass it to them. And then strangely, it started coming back to me, and I throw it back. And Dan Bradkoff called the timeout and said, "Bradley, shoot the damn ball. This is your last game." And so I did. Everybody was looking to Bill. And, but it was done pretty subtly. I mean, the ball still moved. But it just found its way to Bill. You know, and, uh, and, and, he, and he's taken a bunch of quick shots, and they're all going. And he gets some layups, and they all go in. And I think he had a hook shot. I haven't seen it on film, but my memory is the ball went to Bill in the corner. Maybe not the dead corner by the sideline, but not far from it. And he's got a guy in front of him, and a guy comes up to double-team him. So, you know, he's now double-teamed, and he just goes back and shoots a hook shot and switches it off. I don't know what those guys must have thought. It's like, what the hell? What else could we possibly do? Bradley made 22 of 29 field goals and 14 of 15 free throws, 
for 58 points. Still a Final Four record. Somebody sent me the this uh, stat sheet on that game, which I hadn't seen in 40 years, about two years ago. And uh, I look at it and say, gee, that was me. For us, our last game was a statement. We only won third place, but Phil had 58 points, the team had 118, and so, you know, it was, it was as good a way to end the season as you could have without actually winning the national championship. One of the great things about sports, I think it's one of the best things about sports, actually, because it's why people care about it so much, is how unforgiving it is. You know, there's, you don't get medals for just showing up. And the bounce of a ball, Don Rodenbach's left foot, can determine a lot. The 1965 Final Four team will be honored on campus March 7th when Princeton men's basketball hosts Columbia in the final home game of the season. Our thanks to Bill Bradley, Ed Hummer, Gary Walters, Don Roth, and Bill Kingston for sharing their memories with Pa. Brett Tomlinson produced this podcast. The music is licensed from First Com Music.